Talking Wellness with Developmental Services staff, a podcast for direct service professionals in Ontario's developmental services sector. I'm Sue Hutton. I'm a social worker and mindfulness teacher at the CAMH Azraeli Adult Neurodevelopmental Centre. And this podcast series is on well-being of direct staff and we'll end each episode with some practical mindfulness tools. We'll be talking with staff from all across Ontario in all kinds of different roles supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Our guest today on Talking Wellness is Sabrina Musa, who works at Carey's Place Autism Services. And Sabrina's also a master's student in counseling psychology at Yorkville University. And she did a post-grad certificate in addictions and mental health from Durham College. She's also got a bachelor in science and mental health studies, health science from U of T. Sabrina's also participated in research projects addressing Indigenous mental health and homelessness at the Ontario Institute for Studies and Education. Sabrina also says that she's into traveling that's either to the nearest waterfront or a far-off island. And she's adventurous and not afraid to try new things. And we know that because she's also trying out being on our Talking Wellness podcast. So we're looking forward to speaking with Sabrina today. So here we are on our podcast with Sabrina and I. I'm really excited to speak with Sabrina because she's doing some amazing work. And Sabrina, why don't we jump right in? First off, how are you feeling today? How's it going? Hi, Sue. I'm doing well. Not too bad. The weather is nice, nice and sunny today. Very hot, actually. I know. I know. Overall, love it. And you know what? There's like a really nice positive perspective on oh the weather's nice like looking for the silver linings during this pandemic right especially especially in the work that you're doing and why don't we why don't we jump right in like can you tell us a little bit about what your job is in developmental services and and a little bit of an insight on what what was it that brought you to this work in the first place yeah of course so I started working at Carrie's place about three years ago and uh, like my my biography sort of said, I've always had a keen interest in mental health field and mental health and addictions really uh, in the latter part of my sort of journey in mental health. And um, just growing up, I noticed that there was a lack of mental health and awareness towards disability services and the developmental sector in general like there was a lack of awareness within my own community and the area that i lived in there it was just like i i really wanted to learn more and to bring what i learned into my own community and so i decided to take the step and go straight into mental health because it was it's huge within our communities and it's just the fact that there's lack of awareness there's stigma there's 
language barriers and I wanted to be able to provide the necessary, like the equipped um, knowledge and to bring that into my community so that I could present it in a manner that would be understandable. And so going into Carrie's place was my way of sort of learning more about autism and about other mental illnesses like OCD and anxiety and depression and um, like aggressive behaviors and um, and how do all of these sort of interact with one another and what are the underlying like just being with an individual with sort of the mental mental illnesses and mental health and just having a lens through their eyes so that I could when it comes to working with individuals and people within my community being able to be like this is what it seems like and this is sort of what I can present to you as what it might be with all the signs and the symptoms and um, breaking it down through diagnosis and it's it's just it was really an it's really an eye-opening experience for me when I started working at Carrie's place that is so amazing and it, I, I love how you know you're really interested in looking at, at, at all the aspects of mental health and how they're all in, intertwined and can you just say like a couple of words because you're you've mentioned a couple of times wanting to wanting to bring um, you know your perspectives and your your mental health uh, training to your community can you say a couple words just so our listeners know um, what you mean by your community Oh, yes, I should clarify. Um, <clears throat> when I say my community, it's really just, I'm from South Asian background. And um, so I'm Pakistani. I am, I, I don't speak the, the language of the country, which is Urdu or Sindhi as well. I speak Balochi, which is a completely different language. And it's part of the Balochistan region. And so that is my sort of community that I resonate most with. Oh, that is so great. And, and how beautiful to be passionate about bringing some loving care and compassion and mental health expertise to to your community, as you say. I love that. And, and it really reminds me that we really bring ourselves into our work in disability services, don't we? Like you can't separate who you are, who your background, your your community, your life. You're you're talking all about the the language issues and 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 that there's um, you know you want to make sure that there's this information's getting there. I think you mentioned language barriers and uh, and you know you bring that information. You really bring your presence and who you are to this work and we can't really separate them so it's it's really beautiful that you're really in touch with that thank you yeah and uh i think the next question that i i'm interested in in hearing like a lot of our our guests are talking about this 
What are some of the big stressors that you experience on your job that you really feel like having some good grounding tools can really help you be the best you can when you're providing services in disability settings? And during during the pandemic in particular, because I know you're out there on the front lines and you're really, you know, living the challenges. So yeah, yeah, like within the context of during the pandemic, what what are what are some of the big stressors that you're seeing that staff are experiencing right now? Um, there is there's a lot. I mean, I could talk about this pretty much all day. It's there we come into work every day and we're sort of like, okay. Now we have to do this again and again and again. When will the pandemic end? When will things start opening up so we can go out and enjoy right. Right. Um, and take our individuals outside and not just for drives, you know, but to actually, or just like community walks, neighborhood walks, but to actually go out maybe to the lakefront or go out to, to a farm or do one of the activities and their goals that they had set for themselves two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a group home setting you're in, right? That's right, yes. It's and, a residential home. And how many how many people are living there? The group, the group home that I'm working at, there are four right. individuals. However, one individual has gone to his family home uh, and has been residing there for since the start of the pandemic and and he's still there until we sort of develop a plan for him to reintegrate into the residential home again. Right. And so you're saying just to be able to support people to get out into the community, to live their lives, to do the things that they want to do, like how amazing that would be. And, And that that's a huge, huge, huge barrier. So obviously the whole world's going through that, but you know, you're really experiencing it with with everyone and and what's what's that like for you like when you're actually there in the home in the group home and you're facing those barriers trying to provide Mm -hmm. the best services you can and and what's that like for you and how do you manage your stress yeah so the individuals actually they their anxiety has increased a lot more their behaviors have increased um, just not being able to see family or to be able to even hug their families during the pandemic, it's been really tough, not only for the individuals, but their families and us as staff as well. So going into work and seeing that the individuals that we're trying our best to support every day are having it a little bit more tougher than we are, it's heartbreaking. Um, And just in terms of the stressors that we're facing as staff is, you know, we, there's, there was a, at the start of the pandemic, actually, we were told that staff aren't, can't work two jobs if they work in one residential home or if they work within the school sector or um, so it, if they work in a specific field in another group home where they support other individuals, they cannot work at our location or at our group homes either. And I'm not sure if it was just just our agency that was doing this or others as well. Uh, sorry, our organization or others as well. But Yeah. That I yeah, I've I've heard of that happening um, you know, in many in many 
different developmental service agencies. And, you know, we understand, of course, to reduce the spread. We want to reduce, you know, the comings and goings of people in and out of homes. But it just, it really created a stress for staff, didn't it? Like, sort of financially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Financially, but also on the staff that decided to stay at Carrie's place, it was difficult because now the number of support workers has decreased almost to less than even half of that, maybe 25%, I would say, are still working at Carrie's place, whereas the majority aren't available. So we are on tight schedules working long hours um, every single day and it just it creates almost you get into this rhythm of okay sleep wake up go to work support these support our individuals come home and maybe try and maybe watch some tv or have a nice dinner or maybe try and go out for a walk or maybe try and have a conversation with a friend of yours um, or attend a Zoom wedding of some sort or try your best to still stay connected with yourself and with others and then go back into the work the next day. Oh, Sabrina, maybe, you, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, maybe I was just saying it's maybe you get even, you might even get like, four hours of sleep, or if you're lucky, you might get about six to seven, it may may be even eight hours of sleep. It really depends on the scheduling. Oh, Sabrina, I just, I, I, my heart is just wide open hearing and, you know, just imagining. So Sabrina, you're painting a picture of a job that sounds like it would be next to impossible to do and and be the compassionate loving and caring person that you know you really sound like you are and I know it's developmental service workers all across all across the world you know who are experiencing this during the pandemic and the isolation the increased isolation and and can I just ask you you know everything that you're describing about all of those challenges and is this in 12-hour shifts, or what? what's the scenario where you are? Yeah, so actually, majority of the staff had um, had their shifts increase. So they had to do 12.5-hour shifts. So that's 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Set 7, 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. That's right. Wow. Yeah. It's it's very intense. And like you said, then, you know, if you go home and it's like, okay, now I'm going to do my self-care routine, right? Like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, okay. And yeah. that, that in and of itself is extremely exhausting. And now we understand that um, the ministry made some offerings uh, around pandemic pay for developmental services staff. Can you tell us, were you lucky to benefit from some of that or what's the scenario there? Yeah. So we actually did get a, I think, 3 to $5 increase throughout the pandemic. Um, and it's just about to end, end of August, and I don't want it to end. 
Yeah. We should keep it the way it is. Wouldn't that be nice to get a bit of an advocacy campaign going? A pay increase is something I think that should happen anyways. That who are the most important people in developmental service agencies in terms of delivering service? As far as I'm concerned, it's the people delivering the direct service to people, right? <laughs> Everyone's important. Yes, I know all exactly. staff, like it's a huge, important, big family offering services, but it's you guys who are there on the front lines. It's so critical to look after you, your morale, your mental health, and finances, like, you know, they say... You know, you invest in what you believe in, you pay for what you want to really support, and staff really need to be supported financially too, don't they? Definitely. I 100% agree with that, and I really do wish that it continues to stay because that that little bit of an increase, actually, if I could speak from just my personal experience, is that it motivated me to go to work right look at that yeah it was like yeah because it was was like okay i'm i am like it sort of puts it in your mind that you are important and that you are doing important work yeah so if you go into work to support the individuals who need it most who aren't who aren't able to sort of support themselves so you have to be the one to do it and it's that recognition that, hey, you are being recognized for what you do. So here is a little bit of a token of an appreciation for the things that you're doing. Continue doing the things that you're doing. And so when you see that pay increase on your on your paycheck, it's like amazing. Finally, I'm doing the right thing. Well, you're not the only staff who has said that when talking about morale during the pandemic. So let's hope there's some advocacy across the province and we see direct support professionals continue to be receiving that pay, which is closer, bringing, you know, people a little bit closer to where they should be. And it's interesting to hear, you know, even those couple of dollars an hour, like really made a difference and you felt more respected. And that helps with our mental health, doesn't it? Just knowing that we're being acknowledged and appreciated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. do you do you feel like sort of in general, do you feel like developmental services workers, you know, that you've met all across, you know, your workplaces and your education settings, that that it's kind of important for a new set of tools, um, you know, to be available for for staff and during these hard hard times like we're experiencing like the hardest time in our known history delivering services right and do you feel like it's people really seem like they could use some new tools i definitely think people can use new tools um and not just the tools but more more of other things like morphication time or more like maintaining that finance financial increase for example um but yes in terms of more tools i would i would definitely recommend um their like sorry mindfulness practices or meditation or something like yoga bringing yoga into our daily daily exercise regimens within our workplace or just increasing workshops like 
the pact that um, I was so fortunate to be part of. Uh, it really gives you, it sort of slows you down, helps you reflect, and be in that state for a little bit so that when you're, when you come back into, into awareness, it's like, hmm, that felt good. I can continue on with my day, you know? Yeah. And you go and... on and you're, and you go on into the, back into the workspace and it, if you feel rejuvenated, really. And it's, so I it's... would definitely recommend a tool like that. Yes. And it's, it's really neat to hear you say that because I know that we talked a little bit about, you know, I think that you said, you know, before we started recording or in one of our recent talks, just how great it would be if it was like mandatory for everyone to be doing some sort of work on looking after themselves. And of course, we can't, you know, say it's mandatory, you have to meditate, you know, that's not gonna, it's not gonna fly because everybody's got different right. tools that work for them. For some people, it's exercise, or, you know, like you said, yoga, or, you know, something, something else, it's maybe going to click better with certain people. But just to, just to have some sort of wellness, you know, offerings for all staff mm -hmm. and developmental services. Yes, yeah, definitely. The reason I say I I was thinking of doing the mindfulness or uh, or any sort of uh, workshop to make it, yes to make it mandatory almost for our all of our staff so that you, especially during the pandemic when things are sort of high stress you come into work, you don't want to not only bring that stress that you're facing at home into work, but you don't want to take that stress you're feeling at work into your home life. So having that piece of, of mindfulness, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, or that workshop that might be for a couple of hours out of your day is so helpful in being continue to be that wonderful person that we are within all of our experiences in life right within all of our roles that we are in exactly and you know what this is part of the reason i love speaking with you sabrina is like right from the beginning you've talked about you know your community and wanting to bring all of this work and it just sounds like you really walk with this you know this mission of taking care of yourself in both your work settings and and in your family and community setting so i love that mm -hmm. yeah i've done a couple of things actually i was meant to go on vacation um this weekend actually but sort of i we were talking about the number of hours and I asked for vacation time. And it, just like many of the other individuals and staff, it's very difficult to get those times off because of the number of staff that we're limited to currently. So right. I, I decided, you know what, maybe if I can't go on vacation, I'll book myself a spa. So I'm going on a spa retreat for myself this weekend after work. And that, yeah, of course, that is amazing. And, and, you know, you said it, if we don't nourish ourselves, then what, what do we have left in the tank, right? We just, we don't have mm -hmm. anything left in the tank. So it's, you know, this is, we know from our... It's really important. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll, 
we can talk, you know, in other episodes, we'll talk a little bit about some of the research uh, that that shows that when staff are doing practices like mindfulness, or, you know, like I said, it's not going to click for everybody, but practices that work for people, it really shows a direct translation into how the people that we're supporting are doing, you know, like we see aggressive behaviors decrease, and everybody's a little bit happier because we know stress is contagious. So you, uh, you are just a shining example of how we want to be doing this, we need to look after ourselves in order to look after others. And I love it that you're going to the spa. (laughs) Way to go. (laughs) It's too bad you couldn't get the vacation. Much needed. Oh, it really is. Yeah, because you you need to do that. You're doing amazing work and you really need to refuel. You did Mm -hmm. mention that you've uh, done some of the workshops, some of the training around mindfulness and ACT, the acceptance and commitment therapy that uh, I know CAMH is offering quite a few trainings and has been researching that for a long time. Um, would you be interested in us doing uh, one of the river, you mentioned the river meditations, and would you be interested in doing a little practice right now? I could lead us through a couple different examples of how we've modified that river meditation for um for some of the autistic adults that we work with. Do you want to do you want to try that now? Yes, I would love to. And then maybe could I possibly take that and use it in my workspace with a hundred percent support? A hundred percent. That's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, Sabrina. Awesome. Yeah. So fantastic speaking with you. So why yeah, why don't we do a little brief practice and then we can come back and uh and say a couple closing words together, yeah? Sounds good. Okay, amazing. So let's do a guided meditation practice now. That is one that Sabrina mentioned that she's done before the river practice. That is a a lovely way of observing our thoughts and letting ourselves not get so drawn in and reactive to our thoughts. If you've never done mindfulness before, give this a whirl. If you've done it many times, then you can just join in where you're at. So whether you've done mindfulness a million times before or whether this is your first time, please join in wherever you are right now. And if it's comfortable to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. If it's comfortable to leave them open, you can leave them open, but just looking downcast at one item. And let's begin with just doing a few deep breaths, allowing the belly to expand fully out as we breathe in. And as you exhale, just release and relax and let go. So the whole out breath becomes a relaxation, a letting go. And just doing that a few times in your own rhythm, just breathing in deeply, feeling the belly expanding out. And when you breathe out, just releasing, relaxing, and befriending gravity.
You may notice the mind wanders as you just relax the body, and if it does so, just gently bringing it back. And now let's just use our imagination just for a moment and going to show us three different ways of letting go of thoughts because we know that thoughts are what lead us to depression and anxiety and holding on to thoughts can cause us to lose sleep and developing a relationship just to let go can help. So I'll show you three different ways and let's begin with just imagining that we are seated next to the most beautiful serene and peaceful river that we've ever seen just feeling yourself safe in an environment where there's a flowing river next to you and you can feel yourself resting on the earth feeling your body comfortable protected and safe. Feeling that rhythm of the breath continuing to flow in and out. Each out breath an opportunity to let go. And you may feel that thoughts come and go. You might start noticing thoughts and each time a thought occurs just realize you don't need to hold on to it. You can place it on the river. And some people like imagining a leaf that they can just place the thought into and just allow it to flow downstream or simply just putting your thoughts right into the river, just letting them go. Maybe a river that's flowing fast. Sometimes life is fast and busy. You may even enjoy just imagining yourself a rooted and grounded rock sitting in the center of the river. And all that happens in life, thoughts that flow, events, feelings, just flow around you and don't move you. You are grounded rooted and still stable like a rock just allowing the river to flow by and then let's just switch our focus over to another type of image that we can use to let go of thoughts and this one is just imagining that our mind is as clear and vast as a beautiful sky, an expanse of limitless, clear, perfect sky. And feeling that sense of spaciousness in your mind, your heart, your body. And then just allowing each thought that arises just to move and dissipate like a cloud that may pass through that sky. So the mind is spacious and vast. So you may feel the rhythm of your breath in the body. And each cloud that arises, it just comes and goes. You don't need to hold on to it, just like a thought arises, just let it dissipate like a cloud. 
And then the next image that some people may connect with better is just one of observing thoughts like cars. Now, some people say they like this one because you can almost just pack your thoughts up into a car and let it drive by. So imagine that you're seated in a beautiful park, you're outside, you're looking at a gorgeous green view, and there's a road that just winds through the park from one side to the other. And as you're seated, relaxing, just taking in this peaceful view, you may notice a car entering from one side of the view and the car just winds down the road and then heads off into the distance out of sight. And in that same way, you just return to that relaxing view of that beautiful park, green space, there may be trees you like, the sky may be just perfect, whatever a soothing environment is for you. And then each time a thought arrives, just allowing it to drive down the road out of sight. You can even pack your concerns and your worries into the car, let it continue to go, and then just relax, just letting them go one by one, letting go, letting go, letting go. And then just deepening the breath for the next few moments. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes again. And Sabrina, I love that you said, you know, can I take something like this and use it with the folks that I work with? Well, some of those images, the autistic adults that we do mindfulness groups with at the Azraeli Center have loved. And one participant said, you know what? I love that thing with the cars. I'm actually going to go and pull out my old Tonka cars, like the, you know, the little Hot Wheels cars and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. He's still at his collection. He said, I'm just going to bring them out. And any time that I'm really feeling bothered by my thoughts, I'm just going to play with the cars and let them just ride on by and take my thoughts with them. I thought that was so sweet. Uh, do you, do you feel like there could be some uses for both you and the people that you support in a practice like that? I definitely think so. That was an amazing meditation. Thank you so much, Sue. I think that, I, you know, I absolutely loved all of it, but my favorite was the cars. Um, there was a lot of emotions and lots of thoughts I've been having for the past couple of weeks and I haven't done mindfulness in a couple of weeks actually. So just being able to kind of push those into a car and just like let it go, it felt really good. So I know that when I do bring it up to my supported person, I know that she will absolutely love it. The imagery is just beautiful and and I think not just for autistic individuals, but anybody mm -hmm. and those with anxiety as well. Like it could, it could be really helpful to just put all those worries and all of those thoughts and all of those things and just push them away and just you're here. 
right yes, here. Yes, you know? yes. Like even a freight train if you need it. <laughs> Load up a freight yes. train. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And on yeah. it goes. Bye. <laughs> you got it. And and it's 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 really true that it's not just autistic. Um, you know, adults or people with disabilities who benefit mm-hmm. are our caregivers and staff all love this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's who doesn't want to just, you know, send their worries down the road. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Sabrina, well, this is fantastic. You know, what would be really cool is to connect back with you a couple months down the road and hear how things are going for you. That would be really great to Yeah, hear. I would love that. That would be great to just come back maybe once uh, things have started really opening up and we can do a lot more things and uh, seeing how how things have progressed maybe. Yeah. Let's do it. That would be amazing to connect back with you. And I really hope that your pay continues. I think you're so resourceful and so amazing. It sounds like you bring such beauty and care to the work you do. And thank you for doing what you do. Thank you so much, Sue. I could talk to you all day. (laughs) (laughs) But you have these long shifts to do. But we will talk more. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Really good talking with you. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the CAMH Azraeli Adult Neurodevelopmental Center in Toronto. That always feels like such a mouthful. And it's in uh, partnership with the Provincial Network on Developmental Services and funded by the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services. The podcast is part of the Cultivating Community Wellness Initiative. Thank you to our very own Katie Cardiff, who has edited these sessions for your listening pleasure. And thank you, musician and producer Kevin Laliberté, who has put together the beautiful music that you are hearing in these episodes. Most of all, thank you to all of you out there in developmental services doing the work that is so important and so unseen. We celebrate you and thank you. Take care and we'll see you next week.